tempt you with that motion, counselor. This week, speed limit reduction passes, and many of you have already sent me calls, emails, and tweets about it. I'd thank you, but unfortunately I've read them. Plus, it turns out distracted walking is still legal in Edmonton. Andrew Knack's council call-in motion fails again. And we'll have an update on Mill Creek Ravine Daylighting. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 38. You know, I really should plan what I say at the start. Every episode, I look to you and I say, well, what am I saying off the top before I get into the rapid fire? You say, I don't know, Troy. Maybe just say something about what happened during the week. And then this happens and it's a nasty editing nightmare. So this is staying in. On to the rapid fire. Hawaiian shirt guy and 2x4 guy will be immortalized on t-shirts by local artist Jason Blower with all proceeds going to We All Believe in You, a local mental health organization. Mental health is a serious issue in our community, with some lamenting the dire state of some supports for those who need it and suggesting that we need to burn it all to the ground and rebuild. As far as we know, Arson Guy only had one part of that intention. The Holt Renfrew, located in the retail podium of Manulife Place downtown, will be closing in January of 2020. The three-level, 47,000-square-foot space was deemed too small to continue operating. Although Holt Renfrew is offering employees positions in other stores or severance or job assistance, when the 100 Edmonton employees walk out the front door onto 102nd Avenue in January 2020 for the last time, and they can't cross the street because of valley line construction, and even if they could, they wouldn't be able to get into the mall anyway, so they step off the sidewalk and a scofflaw cyclist zips by at absurd speeds, knocking them back on their butt, which lands in a snowbank that no one even cleared off the sidewalk, and they finally scramble up and go the only direction they can go, south. And maybe they don't stop when they hit the Hende and keep going south until they find a new home. Or maybe they just work at the bay. City Market opens on 103 Ave in the quarters this Saturday, leaving many wondering about the fate of the market and whether it will retain its charm and character. Speaking municipally, like any other reputable news organization, got to the bottom of this question by asking random dudes on the street. They suggested that the change was basically Game of Thrones Season 8 level bad, and the city should just start ringing the bells because they're literally droganing my favorite market. Speaking municipally as a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, this week we're going to tell you about Unit B, which is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. They have desks and offices, of course, but they also offer members access to a podcasting studio, which we've used before, meeting spaces, a kitchen, Wi-Fi, all the usual amenities. You'll find freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. It's located on 104th Street in the historic McKinney Building, close to everything downtown, including Bay LRT Station. You can book a tour to check it out at unitb.ca. Bay Enterprise Square LRT Station. That is true. That is the official name. So, uh, with the pedantry out of the way, speed limits passed this week. Yay! We're finally going to get some slower speeds eventually. Eventually. So, I'm going to put a pin in that thing because that's one of my big complaints that we'll get to later. Yep. This wasn't a delay tactic. The media, it's all saying, oh, we're kicking the can, we're delaying. No, that's not what happened, and we'll definitely get into it. So, what did happen was a two-part motion. Yes. So essentially, there's two major things that city council passed. The first is they asked administration to come back with a set of bylaw amendments to do one of the two following things. The first one is that they reduce the default speed limit in Edmonton to 40 kilometers an hour. 
and then sign additional streets. The effective change being that 40 kilometer an hour residential collectors in Edmonton and 40 kilometer an hour residential local roads in Edmonton. So we talked about this in previous episodes. They had two different options. This was option A, right? This wasn't even one of the options. Okay, this is a hybrid. Yes, because, well, so they're going to achieve this via option A, Mm. but the previous options for the motions on the floor were to just reduce local roads. Collectors weren't even on the table. Got it. So what council passed a motion to do is they said, prepare draft bylaw amendments to reduce collectors and locals to 40 kilometers an hour. Now, it doesn't specifically say set a default speed limit. We know that's what administration is going to do because of what they said, but that's going to come back with the bylaw amendments. Um, So council will have a choice on exactly which option they're taking. Okay. Um, And that passed 10-3. So council, broad coalition of support there. The second part that was also voted on was the core zone proposal. And council took it one step further. The core zone was proposing 30 kilometer hour local roads and 40 kilometer hour collectors in the core area. Council said, nah, 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 30 everywhere. Residential locals and collectors would be 30 within the core zone. And that passed narrowly, but in a seven to six vote. And there was a lot of discussion from councillors about that aspect of it. Absolutely. And we'll get into a lot of that, but there was a lot of debate and a lot of political finagling going on behind the scenes, but it passed. And that's the important thing. Right. Uh, The other final point, which newsworks aren't covering as much, but I think is actually more important than the previous two, is that also coming back with this is an amendment by uh, Councillor Paquette, which basically says when this comes back, Look at studies done by the University of Calgary and Edmonton's own Vision Zero program and bring this information back with the whole suite of traffic safety measures, including infrastructure improvements and how this can be implemented in coalition with these other parts. I'm paraphrasing the motion, but that's the gist of it. And that's really interesting because uh, we also learned through this meeting that Police Chief Dale McPhee wanted to wait for Calgary, essentially, before making any changes. Yeah, so... That was an interesting thing that came up this week is there was apparently an email that came from police chief Dale McPhee to council and it came up during the meeting with both John D from Ward 3, friend of the podcast, and Aaron Paquette bringing it up at different points in meeting, at which point both times uh, Councillor Hamilton raised a point of order or a point of privilege. She said both, wasn't clear which one she was raising, sure. but one of the two. And she said, nah, this is, this is a confidential memo. We can't talk about this. Uh, and initially, John D. deferred and the city's legal team, they said, OK, fine, we're just going to pass it. Ask the question without talking about this memo. Um, and that was in the morning. And then in the afternoon, Aaron Paquette just started spewing about the memo, at which point Councillor Hamilton again is like, wait, 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 what's going on? You can't you can't say any of this. And Paquette pushed back and he said, no, nah, the police chief gave me written permission to do this. And eventually the chair ruled like, no, we're, we're not talking about this memo. Interesting. Which was then immediately reported on by post media, I assume leaked by one of the counselors. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, essentially what the police chief said is the Edmonton police, while we support playground zones, we don't support the broad lowering of residential speed limits because drivers will become frustrated and we think that will lead to a decrease in compliance. Well, first of all, I don't think that should be a private memo. I don't see any reason why that input shouldn't be made public and go to the debate that is happening at council. 
I also don't know that it actually was a private memo. Uh, there's some debate on whether that's actually true. Sure. Um, but the other part of it is uh, that seems like an absurd reason to oppose this. Especially because it forwards this narrative that the speed reduction community is in the minority. Right. Like, I have a lot of minority views. I'm used to holding minority views. I like cats better than dogs. I tell people I put peanut butter and chili and they get really mad at me. (laughs) So when I find out that my views are in the majority, I'm really happy. And this is one of this case. Every time the city has done consultation on speed limits, we have found out that majority of Edmontons want speed reduction. People don't want other people speeding past their house, right? That's just not what they want. Yeah. So given all of that, when the police chief says drivers will become frustrated. Yeah. Uh, which drivers will become frustrated and and more frustrated than playground zones like i don't get that part at all yeah so we have a consistent speed limit and that somehow frustrates drivers more than an inconsistent yo-yo speed limit Uh, i don't buy any of it i think the police chief actually just doesn't want speed reduction i haven't known police officers to be the best urban planners and urbanists historically. Mo Bango, one of the only people to (laughs) vote against the core zone, former police officer. Okay, so that's the police chief. Yes. Didn't make too much of a difference, obviously, in the end, because council voted to go ahead with it. Um, Come back to this idea of, uh, of it not being a delay. What council had to vote on was for administration to prepare bylaw amendments to come back in January of 2020. But why January of 2020? Like we have what, 13 public hearings between now and then 14? So the primary thing is this is what administration said. That's the amount of time it would take to get the work done. Because this work isn't just, hey, write some speed limit signs. There's a couple interesting and twiddly bits. One is that no city in Alberta has ever used the city charters to lower speed limits before. Right. This is a new legal framework. And there were some questions about what can and can't we do. And legal will need some time to suss out exactly what the requirements are. And that's going to change everything from budget to how many signs we need, all sorts of things like that. The other component is that the motion passed a recommendation for anomalies. So council doesn't want a repeat of the playground zone where we blanket, throw all the playground zones in and we discover, oh, hey, that didn't make sense. Yeah, we shouldn't have done it there. Instead, they're asking, okay, let's say we're going to do this and let's look at every collector roadway, see which ones should be an exception and let's make them an exception off the bat. So there's there's a bit of work associated with that. So you could argue that uh, it's just that far away because the work is in, involved is going to take that long. Not that council's kicking it down the road and didn't want to deal with anything. They dealt with what they needed to, and it's just going to take time to do it. It makes sense when you actually understand what the motions do. Council is saying, okay, administration, go prepare us a document to sign to enact this. Right. Um, you don't do that if you don't plan to enact the bylaws. Yeah. It's just how the process works. And yes, it will need to go to public hearing. There will be another debate about this, but I don't suspect there will be a material debate about this. The debate already happened. I was in council chambers for seven hours while it happened. So do you think there's any chance that this comes off the rails in January 2020? I... Knock on wood. Knocking on some wood. No, I don't. Um, And I said that going into this meeting as well. We are definitely getting speed reduction. And we saw it. There was a 10-3 vote for speed reduction. It's very clear support. Granted, 
the vote's actually closer to 9-4 because Mo Banga said he was only voting to get the report back. Um, there was, Well, you can vote for what you want, but you've actually voted on the motion, Kalpa Yes, Banga. Like, yes. Um, one, of the, one of the pieces that administration is bringing back was a piece that Tony Katarina pushed really hard for, yeah. which is a fulsome understanding of the causes of all these collisions in Edmonton, uh, which was all coded language for Tony Katarina wants to blame pedestrians and cyclists. Yeah. And Mobenga does too. So he wanted that part. So he voted yes, allegedly to get that information. Got it. But still nine, four, that's, that's a pass. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other part, the core zone itself that's where we may see some back and forth because it was only a 7-6 vote. Um, you know, flips can happen in the next eight months. It's quite a while, yeah. Uh, granted, one of the no votes was Aaron Paquette. Um, Which is a bit surprising because he's generally been a supporter of speed reduction. Right? Yeah, and it's... I called him a knob on Twitter. Um, sorry, Aaron, but, you know, you vote no against my motion. This is what happens. Um, but he he did explain himself during the public debate, and he did swing by when we were scrumming, and he's like, hey, glad it passed. A little closer than I thought, and a right. bit glib. Like, maybe I shouldn't have voted yeah, no. Yeah. It, from the public gallery and from his comments, it appeared as, you know, he wants this for his community. He's very supportive of 30. Right. And the core zone only does the core zone, which his community doesn't get. Yeah. So by voting no, he can go back to his community and say, I fought for 30 for you guys. Here's my vote. You can see I lost. And it'll probably lead to support because he wouldn't he wouldn't deprive other parts of the city. Well, it's kind of interesting. I always say, right, when you get to council, you have to make decisions on behalf of the whole city, not just on behalf of your ward. And mm-hmm. in a weird way, it kind of seems like he was trying to do that. But also we have when we're talking about council, it's run by Robert's rule of order, which basically means everything's a yes, no question. And that came up with this motion because the administration presentation, it wasn't should we reduce speed limits? It's here's a flow chart. Here's seven different options and all the permutations of different speeds in collectors, non-collectors, core, not core. And council has to yes, no things. And Don Iveson appealed to the computing scientist in me. He's like, okay, so we want core or suburbs. And what if the answer to that question is yes? Interesting. Yeah. A little Boolean logic going on. Yeah. The process got a little bit confusing because you had to put amendments on top of amendments to navigate through this flow chart, but only using yes, no questions with a single motion on the floor. But the effect of that was that it really is truly council's direction then. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I do want to talk briefly about the administration presentation. Yeah. Because, all right, we we take a dump on administration a lot in this podcast. Administration did an exceptional presentation i was sitting in the public gallery next to julie who was the head planner behind core zone we'll call her that yeah um and i stopped several times i was doing my work on my laptop and i sat up a couple times i'm like this is really good they're they're knocking it out of the park they had clear flow charts they hit all the right language about safety about vision zero about why this matters and they clearly presented all options with very clear and 
well-reasoned pros and cons for each of them represented things accurately absolutely the core zone which isn't even a city of edmonton thing that's something we put together we before a couple days before we had sent an faq to administration said here's the question and answer with the core zone hopefully this answers any questions you or council might have and they integrated that into the presentation to say here's a community proposal we see and here's some of the pros and cons of it and it was a great job. Olga Messinis, who previously was the champion behind the downtown bike grid, was the one giving the presentation. And she got a big thumbs up from me. Nice. Well, the mayor also said, I really want to commend the citizens for their work on this issue. So he was pretty public in his comments about the efforts that, that you and others put into driving the core zone forward. So that's really interesting. That means you can actually get some things done with community leadership. And the result is what we believe is a council first. There was a hashtag in a, an official city of Edmonton motion. Right. So Kalen Thomasa on Twitter noticed this and I and I caught the tweet here that uh, it actually said hashtag YEG core zone, YEG core zone right in the motion. Yeah. So Andrew Knack, he's reading this motion into the system and he says, you know, we want to implement 30 kilometers an hour in the area roughly delineated by the Yeg core zone. And right. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to see CORZ zone in the motion. That's going to be cool. And I look up on the screen and it says hashtag Yeg core zone. Twice. 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 Yeah. It it blew my mind. That's Honestly, cool. I think it shouldn't have. I don't think there should have been a hashtag in a motion, but I'm glad there was and I'm glad I was part of there and experiencing it yeah where were you when hashtags were included in city council (laughs) motions i think this is great too speaking to someone who spent a number of years working on the public engagement efforts at the city and the strategy there and 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 it's not maybe using the explicit language of the new policy and everything but this co-creation process that has led to a positive outcome for the city is absolutely what all of that work was driving at um And so this is a really good use case that it can, or example, I suppose, that this can happen. And we've even complained on this podcast in the past about, you know, the city stifles innovation through bureaucracy and red tape. And there was some of that. Um, And it wasn't easy, right? I'm not saying that it was easy and that it was a walk in the park for you guys, but. And credit to Julie. She really did keep me on track. There were a lot of points where I was like ready to quit or ready to just go back being cynical on Twitter towards administration. She's like, no, Troy. We're going to work with administration. That's the only way to get this done. And credit to them, they were very supportive. We were driving this bus as a community organization, but we did receive offers from administration to, hey, if you need some research or data, let us know and we'll try and work with you. And if you need to have a debriefing so that we can prepare for council, let us know and we'll try. So like we saw exactly what we should have been seeing. Supports from administration, but letting us own the idea and drive it forward as a community organization. And what do you think this means or what did you learn about uh, our approach to Vision Zero for this work? (laughs) So... Because on the face of it, this seems like a step in the right direction. Yeah. um, And previously, I've been on the train of, you know, Edmonton shouldn't even be a Vision Zero city. We're not walking the walk. And from what I've seen, I've seen some really supportive administrative. I've seen council start to get it. Um, And we clearly have a majority on council that really supports this. So what's the holdback? And unfortunately, I did see one of the holdbacks at the meeting. And there was one, one member of administration who people called me out on Twitter saying, I can hear Troy cringing through the live stream. <laughs> um, And it was Jerry Shimko, who's the director of the Office of Traffic Safety. Right. His answers to questions, and I even had some counselors tell me off the record that, like, 
his answers, he doesn't get it. Questions about pedestrian safety were all pivoted back to like efficiency and traffic flow. It was the old transportation mindset. Right. And what really irked me is there was a section where Tony Caterina was asking, is there a process where a community can lower their speeds? Something you know about? Something I know intimately about. And Jerry Shimko said, yes. And Tony Caterina reiterated. He gave him an out. He said, so you're telling me that there is already a process whereby communities can lower their speed limits. Jerry Simsko said yes. And now one could argue that maybe Katarina then proceeded to cut him off as he went on his tirade against Vision Zero. But there's no process. Right. There's a policy. There's a policy, but critically no procedure. And admin has been very adamant about that. And later in the meeting, Andrew Knack brought that up. He said, well, actually, there is no process by which a community. And we didn't see an oh, sorry from administration. We just thought, Okay, thank you, counselor. Like, so, so that's pretty disappointing that the executive director of the Office of Traffic Safety isn't giving correct information. And, you know, I mean, support is one thing, but yeah, being factually uh, accurate is another. It makes one think because we always hear about these great people working in administration and I always see them on yeah. the front lines. Yeah. But there is these older holdouts that are at management positions in the city that maybe that's what we need to break through to finally get over that finish line okay uh we have to before we move on from speed limits talk about john d oh do we ever um so i think the first place to talk about john d is he withdrew his motions yeah so he had made two motions one about distracted pedestrians and one about uh cyclists right it's inaccurate to say he made the motion or sorry he gave notice of motion he gave notice that he would make these motions in the future yeah um promptly got a bunch of media attention which mostly negative most well i mean cbc and global all did a reporting on counselor wants to do this and he got the comment section i mean elise had it best this is a waste of time yeah elise did go hard against him i almost feel like that was my fault to be honest because you put this in the show notes for the previous episode yeah and then i i jumped on it and i tweeted counselor wants to do this what's going on and then i added john d's a knob and it got a ton of retweets and likes and was the top of the yeg hashtag for about a day and a half yeah and after that tweet media org started picking it up so i think i might have signaled that there is traction on this topic i hope it wasn't my fault that he got attention but it might have been well that's what we said in the last episode right maybe we shouldn't have talked about this because he kind of got what he wanted the end result is he got what he wanted he got the media attention and then he withdrew the motions so the one about bike um he was saying proper cycling behavior. Yeah. That had been withdrawn well before the meeting. He had sent an email to all of council saying, I plan to withdraw this. Yep. Um, the distracted pedestrian one, when it got to the notice of motion section of the council meeting, said, actually, I'm going to withdraw this because it's already encapsulated by this other motion that, you know, will get information back about who's at fault during collisions. And then he said, but even recognizing that that other motion doesn't really address what I'm asking for here. I mean, translation, he didn't want to lose and his motion was going to fail. Yeah, he he got what he wanted. He got the media attention. He got to put out his dog whistle. Pedestrians are at fault for traffic safety. Yeah. But he didn't have to sustain a loss in council saying your motion is stupid. Right. Although you did find uh, or come across another counselor who had some comment about it. So uh, Sarah Hamilton was on Jesperson's show the other day and... John D had tweeted an image. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. If we want to, I don't want to give it more attention, 
but essentially it's a very bad image of a picture of a turtle with text ms painted on saying slow town edmonton right it's not great um it's also just like really bad comedy uh we we put j- three jokes at the top of every episode that i think pretty good jokes slow town edmonton not a good joke not a good take jesperson asked so what do you think about your colleagues tweeting this image and hamilton was flustered she was like stammering you could tell that she was trying not to actively disparage her colleague yeah i mean they try to not talk about each other negatively because they got to work together yeah i mean they may not like each other but they try to keep it behind closed doors but her comments are essentially like you know this is a really serious issue traffic safety and to like make these glib comments um it really doesn't make any sense at all and it shows a lack of understanding of the issues which john d does have a lack of understanding of these issues our final topic about John D is about the lack of understanding of these issues because several times during the council debate, his main refrain against administration is, well, this core zone, it comes from community members and we don't even know anything about it. Like, I don't even know what is the core zone. What are its boundaries? Can you answer me that? John D didn't show up to the committee meeting he was supposed to attend where 17 speakers explained in explicit detail what the core zone was or you know could have done a google search could have done a google search could have done any manner of things right and then he had the gall to later say we shouldn't allow people to call in to council because if they're just on the phone they're not getting the full experience of the back and forth of city council (laughs) debates which Apparently, if you're in the room and a counselor, you're also not getting. But why was he talking about that? That's rich. Well, Andrew Knack had also given notice of motion that he was going to um, talk about uh, uh, video conferencing. So he had previously brought up this idea that uh, wouldn't it be great if people could participate in council meetings by using some sort of video conferencing technology if they couldn't be there in person or if it would have prevented them from coming. And uh, he made the motion and it failed. So I've railed on this in the past. I've railed on it in public. I've mocked Andrew Knack in council chambers. And I feel bad because I was really hoping the motion passed narrow seven to six because then I could rail on it for being a dumb idea. (laughs) Now you don't get to. Yeah, I don't want to kick him while he's down. Clearly his heart's in the right place and... Yeah, I think the spirit of his motion is well-intentioned, right? And he he talked about on Twitter, you know, I'd like to get your feedback anyways on other ways that we could engage you. Are there forms of engagement that aren't being used, he said. And and I appreciate that. Like, I think it's great that as a counselor, he's trying to make sure that everybody is heard and that there's accessible ways for people to participate. Um, maybe video conferencing isn't the way to do it. He's coming at it. I think he and I acknowledge the same problem city hall is really unaccommodating to speakers you have to show up for the whole day you don't know when your item is it's hard to get there if you're not you know a liberal cyclist um (laughs) (laughs) cyclist but um the way i go at it is we should just make speaking to council prohibited yeah Um, i know that's what you've said before and i'm not sure i agree with that either but (laughs) maybe we can find another solution here kirsten goa who also does a lot of public engagement work she was sitting behind me in council while i was basically heckling andrew knack as he was making the motion and she's just like troy we agree on a lot of things but not on this not on uh not on engagement what was i saying about unpopular minority opinions (laughs) all right we have one more thing to move on to before we get to the slow burn. Oh, no, no, we're going to. OK, we're going to do it. I came very quickly. I saw a tweet from at Troy Pavlik that said, Nickel is a fundamentally good counselor. 
in brackets, in terms of completing the work and asking hard questions, that has unfortunately just lost the plot on which metrics, targets, and outcomes are desired for a great city. So let me just reiterate the first part. Nickel is a fundamentally good counselor. My Twitter account was hacked. (laughs) Not that easy. I'll own the opinion. Like, Nickel, in terms of counselors, he does hard work. When you ask him to do something, he may not support it publicly, but he'll do the work. And this comes to the next part of the slow burn where... We at Speaking Municipally, we said, what happened to Mill Creek Ravine Daylighting? Yeah, it kind of fell off the radar and nobody knew what happened. And in order to find out what happened, I went and I went to Councillor Nichols' office and I'm like, hey, what's going on? I had lunch with his executive assistant. We hammered down some details. I got several calls and he followed the threads. He did the work and for no other reason than I really asked. And then I said, okay, we got to pick up these threads. And that's what Nickel is doing now. That's great. Yeah. He said what seems to have happened is it's fallen off the provincial and federal desks. (laughs) Blames the other guys a little bit. Uh, But he says at this stage, we've just got to pop it back up to the top and get this back on their radar because I think it's the right project. So they're going to have a report come back, I think, is the outcome of, of his work. Is that right? What's going to happen is there's going to be another report coming back to city council. This this is an environmental impact assessment and site location study is specifically what they're asking. Yeah. And then at that... Um, at that opportunity, Nickel will have the chance to make subsequent motions to say, let's get this back on the table and let's restart this work, which is important work to do. So that's what's coming up on Milker Gravine. And we have just time for another quick slow burn, which in tech related stuff. Yeah, just very quickly, I I was paying close attention to the Smart Cities Challenge, which uh, is put on by Infrastructure Canada, and the city of Edmonton had applied to this and, you know, hosted a hackathon and and had done quite a lot of work to to put something forward. Our theme was all about health and health innovation, and unfortunately, we didn't win. The city of Montreal won the $50 million Smart Cities Challenge, Uh, but I just thought it was interesting that the city put out a press release right away uh, saying that even though we didn't win... The city remains a global leader in digital innovation and smart city initiatives and basically said, we've already gotten some benefit from this and we're going to keep going. I smiled when I heard that they didn't make the smart cities. You know why? Because I'm vindictive. (laughs) I participated in the smart cities hackathon. You did. And they didn't declare me a winner. So now you're not a winner, city of Edmonton. How do you like them apples? Well, uh, they taste like the sound through your ears when you're listening to a really good podcast. Some of our friends at the Alberta Podcast Network put out some of those really good podcasts. For example, Northern Nerdcast, which they tackled the Avengers Ed game uh, in their recent episode. And Mac, you came in here and you said, Troy, can you believe Northern Nerdcast did an episode on Avengers Ed game? I'm like, you know, the biggest movie opening in the world? Yeah, Yeah, probably. I can believe that. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, so it's not a a minor episode to listen to. Uh, It's about half the length of Endgame itself, though. So, you know, you could get a solid watch Endgame, listen to the podcast, burn an entire afternoon. There you go. Um, You can also check out the City of Champions podcast, which recently featured Councillor Ben Henderson in episode 73 last week. You can find that and all the other great podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And that's it for this week. It's an it's another good week for Troy. They'll do something dumb next week and you'll be back to your usual ways. 
I haven't gotten you to plug Taproot in a while. Is Taproot doing anything new and interesting? Taproot is always doing new and interesting things, Troy. That's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> We've uh, been happy to publish a couple of episodes of Let's Find Out. We're doing this collaboration uh, with Chris Chang and Phillips, whose ep- our season is all focused on how nature shapes us. And we've recently, in the last couple of months, launched a couple of new roundups as well. So you can get the food roundup and the business roundup, as well as all of our other uh, existing roundups on local topics. And you can find all of that at taprootedmonton.ca. And that's all for this week. We're going to leave you with the sweet sounds of New York Minute, which in Edmonton takes an hour, according to John D. To these tunes, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.